0: Last week, Greg spoke, took us deep into the Old Testament to trace the roots and purpose of tithing and to see how God had given his people this discipline to grow within them a heart that is generous and a heart that is not focused on Self and on greed and on wealth, but is focused on God and honouring Him and loving Him and loving people. And with, with God, every law, every discipline has a significant purpose attached to it. God sets boundaries and guidelines and laws in our lives to grow us towards something very, very special. Because we need this, because we're fickle and we're stubborn. And we're selfish, but our Father knows best and He has a wonderful plan and so He gives us law and He gives us discipline. And this this is what, this is what tithing was. This morning I want us to have a look at how the church in the New Testament took what was law in the Old Testament and made it a lifestyle, something living in the new. Now, it's interesting, and we see this all the time, that people have all kinds of hang-ups uh, over uh, giving in the church or even us talking about it. Uh, and, and there's lots of reasons for that, and I know that some people have seen abuse, but um, I know some people have an issue because, well, for them it's a biblical issue. Their understanding is that tithing is an uh, Old Testament requirement, an Old Testament law that applies to those who were under the Mosaic law. That is, it applies to Jews uh, who were bound to the law, but not necessarily to Gentiles who were not under the Mosaic law. Now, technically, that may actually be true. But what's interesting in Romans chapter 2 is Paul addresses this issue and he says the very things that Jews uh, follow because they are under the law The Gentiles follow also because God has placed the law on their heart. And you can see this right through so many principles that God has brought through. And giving is very much one of these. There is is another law and we are all under this. And this law is established and reiterated throughout almost every letter in the New Testament. Uh, every letter that Paul wrote to the New Testament churches and many other New Testament books as well. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time establishing ourselves in the practices of the church that the Holy Spirit built. We're going to start this morning in Acts chapter 2, where I start most of my messages. So ten, there, will, if you will, please. Acts chapter 2. The way we're going, I think sometime in 2012, we'll get to Acts chapter 3. And there's some good stuff there too. Verse 44. All the believers were together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Turn the page, chapter 4, verse 34. That there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed To anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. What kind of person sells a house, sells property, and gives all of the money to the church to see the needs of the poor taken care of? Doesn't that sound really extreme? Why don't you think about you doing it? Anyone here got rental property, got investment property? You've got a little bit extra? Maybe that's for your retirement. Can you imagine just selling it? Let's give it to the House of Grace, looking after teen mums. Let's do that. Can you imagine that? Because this was the common practice of the first church. And uh, I'm not quite sure what your investment portfolio was like, but uh, to me... um, my letterbox at the moment is my investment portfolio. This just sounds crazy. Who who lives like this? Luke here is describing the church that was born under the empowerment and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a church under the leadership of the apostles who learnt what they knew sitting at Jesus' feet. Generosity was one of the foundational Principles and practices of the early church. I've been teaching through these principles uh, week in, week out. And this is core to a Holy Spirit-filled church. This is up there with teaching and fellowship and prayer and worship. Being generous, very generous, is part of it, what it means to be in God's family. This is what the church does. do you want to be an integral part of a Holy Spirit-filled church that is fulfilling the purpose for which God has called it into being? If the answer is yes, that you do want to be an active part of this kind of community, then generous giving needs to be a part of your practice of faith and community. But without this revelation, selling our possessions to care for each other's material needs, that I get how that just sounds crazy. Even religious. It doesn't fit with our perspective on life. Because what we tend to think is, well, it's mine. I worked hard for it. I earned it. Why do I have to give it away? And I get that. And I know that can be niggling away inside. See, the issue here is our perspective on property and ownership. Our problem is that we have this warped idea, uh, warped idea that it's all ours and it belongs to us. This was a major breakdown uh, in the f- formation of this country as a nation, the idea of property and ownership. The Treaty of Waitangi meant one thing to one group of people and a whole other thing to another group because the idea of owning the land wasn't really a concept that Maori people grasped. How could you own the land? It's something that almost owns us. Whereas the European mindset was, I will have my quarter acre and I will put a picket fence around it and this is mine and that is the boundary. When you step over into my fence, this is my land, it's my sovereignty right here and I have rights and all this kind of thing. That that was a different perspective and that tends to be the kind of perspective we have. And it applies to everything we own. It's mine. I have complete rights over it. I earned it. Back off. You'd better be grateful if I give you anything. King David understood the truth, though. And this is his prayer in First Chronicles chapter 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power... And the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Oh, yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. My goodness. What's amazing about David's story is David, even though he longed to do this for God, Didn't actually get to build him a temple. His hands were bloody from a lifetime of warfare, so he couldn't touch the temple. His son Solomon did that. He had the less glamorous task of fundraising. But to him, it was an honor to give for this project, for this purpose, to see God glorified We give to God for the ministry of the kingdom. We give to him for the care of the needy. We give to him to build his house. We give to him because it's his. That is the understanding we need to come to. Thank you, David, but isn't that just another Old Testament verse about giving? I live under the new covenant, not the law, you might say. Of course, David's giving here has absolutely nothing to do with the law. He wasn't required by a statute to give out of the abundance of his wealth to see a temple built at all, no. I'm sure he was following all the statutes, giving a tenth of the increase, giving his free will offerings and other such things, making the right sacrifices. This was over and above that. This was an overflow of adoration and honor to God expressed through financial giving, which is exactly what New Testament giving is. So we go back to the New Testament. The consistent teaching and practice of the apostles and the early church they helped build was generous giving. And when I say the consistent teaching and practice in the New Testament, I mean by consistent that there are 10 specific narrative references in Acts and a specific narrative or teaching reference in each of Paul's letters to the Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, where Paul writes 1300 words on the subject, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy and Titus, plus further references in Hebrews, James and 1 John. I couldn't think of a single issue that was so heavily represented in the New Testament with the apostles coming back to it time and time again to remind The believers to be generous, to give, because this is what it means to be the body of Christ. So why do we make such a big deal of this? I've heard some people have concerns about how money is stewarded in the church. Some people have concerns about, you know, where their money is going to. What are they doing with it? I said they bought a new couch. Greg's got new shoes, where'd they come from? Bet I paid for that. (laughs) First I'd like to say that, when we tithe, or when we put money in the offering, you know that you're not giving to the church, right? The church isn't asking you for your money. What the leaders here are doing is presenting you an opportunity to give to God. And that is the understanding that we need to come to, that you are not giving to the church. You are giving back to God what is his to honour him, to show him a sign of love and that your finances are surrendered to him. But you're not giving to the church. And as you know, a true gift is something that you need to let go of. And once you've let go of it, any rights to what is done with it or anything else you need to let go of as well. See, God in his, in his wisdom, and sometimes we even question this wisdom, has appointed in the church that he has built leaders. He's given people authority to steward the resources that pour into his kingdom. And we don't always agree with everything they say or everything they do, and we definitely don't agree always with how they spend kingdom resources. But that's not our call to make The authority has been placed on them, and they are accountable to God for how they use any of the resources God has given them, be they spiritual resources or physical resources. So when we make our gift to God and place it in the the bank account or in the bag or whatever else, we need to let it go and release it, release it to those that God has put in these positions. to trust God and trust the leaders he has installed and actually release it. There is an actually interesting study in the New Testament with how the New Testament church actually spent kingdom resources. And uh, I followed this through and found that there were three things that the early church prioritised financially. One was the needs of the local church family. Next was supporting the mission, both local and abroad. And the last was the needs of the global church. I wanted to take a minute to look at these things. Most of the stories from the early church in Acts relate to the church taking care of the needy among them. Story after story of people, individuals within the community, who would be, who would be taking care of the needs of others. When property was sold, the proceeds were given to the apostles to minister to the needy, except um, the six describes the founding of a ministry to take care of widows. The task of caring for the widows became so demanding that apostles didn't have time to preach or pray, and so spirit-filled men were appointed to administer this task. And the ministry ultimately moved from Jerusalem to feature in other centres of of the church as well around the globe. Uh get to a point in 1 Timothy where, where Paul... Dedicates most of a whole chapter instructing Timothy and uh, in how to minister to the widows more efficiently and effectively. This was a big deal. This is you know before social welfare. This was this was the church taking the initiative to care for those who no one else would care for. Paul urged Timothy to specifically challenge the wealthy believers to share from their abundance and bless those who were in need. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Paul and the other apostles were devoted to the full-time ministry of the gospel and pastoring the church. Everyone needs food to eat and clothes on their back and a roof over their head. And so, of course, they're full-time ministers in the church. Without going into the discussion on, well, aren't we all full-time ministers in the church, Clay? Well, yes, we are. But most of us go to another job during the day. That pays us. There are some people whose only job and only focus is that of the kingdom. And we need to be paid as well. The ministry of the church today needs some people whose primary focus is the administration of church affairs. Paul is a very interesting study in this area because there are seasons in his ministry where he chose to support himself and his co-workers by working part-time in his trade as a tent-maker. And he did this specifically to teach something to the community he was ministering to, and to make it clear to them that he would not let money become a burden to them and a stumbling block to them receiving what he had. This is particularly the case of the Thessalonian church. At other times, he was supported financially by generous churches and disciples from other cities, who provided for him when he was on mission. For example, 2 Corinthians 11, 7-9, and this verse in Philippians 4. You Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even then I was in Thessalonica. You sent me aid more than once when I was in need. At other times, Paul was supported by those in the community he was ministering to, as in Acts 28.10 and Romans 16. Paul's word to his protege in First Timothy 5 is just as true today. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching, for Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and workers deserve their wages. It is a right and proper thing, for people that God has called to full-time ministry to be paid for their labor. This requires God's people to be generous in their giving so these workers and their families can be properly supported. And, of course, I have a vested interest in that because I, too, have a family. I, too, have a mortgage. And I work hard, as do those I work with. But to pay for my salary and the salary of others here who who do the work full-time it needs the rest of the family to put in. And that has been the consistent practice of God's people since the law of Moses was laid down. We're not going to do the big Old Testament thing now. We did a lot of that last week. But the majority of the tithe of the nation of Israel went to take care of the Levites and the priests. That was their share, the tithe, so that they could devote themselves to, to the ministry of the tabernacle, to the ministry of God's people, and to worship. They did that full time, and the rest of the nation took care of them. This is the norm, consistent through Scripture. The other area where the New Testament church gave was the wider family of God. There was no such thing as denominations in the first century. Just the body of Christ can you imagine it? All believers were brothers and sisters. So when the church family in another city or, suffer, uh, city or country was suffering, the family elsewhere dug deep to relieve them in famine, to relieve them in poverty. A clas- classic example of this is recorded in Acts 11. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Other accounts are recorded in Romans 1525 25-28, and 2 Corinthians 8, where Paul urges the church to excel in the grace of giving. Generosity, love, giving, hospitality, charity. It was an integral part of the character and practice of the New Testament church and it needs to be so now. The ongoing challenge for those responsible for stewarding the financial resources here at The Rock is trusting that uh, that God will release the resources required to fund the vision that he has given us. And using what he has released efficiently in his will. God has been and is pouring out great vision in this house. And we believe that God is with us. But we feel like there is just, there's something holding us back. And it's a mindset and it's a heart set. That if we can break through that, everything that we need to fulfill The plan God has given us is already in this house. Every spiritual gift, every physical resource, every skill set, it is here to accomplish God's plan. But it is not at our disposal right now for some reason. So we want to break through this and grab hold of what God has for us. Please pray for our elders and delegated leaders that we would use the resource God puts in our hands prophetically with integrity and with diligence. So what is the moral here? We need to loosen our grip on stuff. Once we get it, we hold on tight. I think of... I think of money and resource the way it should be as like a a beautiful stream flowing down from a a mountain. It's clean and it's clear and it brings sustenance to everywhere it touches. So when it's flowing and it's clean, you just see forests growing up around it. But I feel like a lot of the time here and in other places, there isn't a stream of clear water flowing of God's provision there's like a, a stagnant pool. Something's dammed it and blocked it off, and so all the water just backs up, and it becomes brackish because it's not flowing and moving anymore. If only we could just undam it and let it flow in and out of our hands, everything would change. And letting it go, not letting it build up, but letting the resource flow freely through us cleanses our heart otherwise it turns into greed and the more we collect, the more we want. But letting it flow freely through cleanses that out. And this starts with the revelation that it isn't mine. Everything is God's. Everything is God's and I just want to be in his will. And he, and he says hard out things all the time. He says test me in this and see if I don't give you every blessing that you need and fill your barns to overflowing. The real test is on us. Let's live and give like we are wholehearted followers of Jesus. Let's live and give like Jesus did. In light of God's words this morning, there are two things I want to challenge you to start doing from today. I want you to pray as I will that the Holy Spirit would transform your mind and soften your heart in the area of possessions, that we would be able to get the revelation that it really is his. Now, that's contrary to the society and the worldview that we live in. So that takes miracles. That takes a miraculous change of heart to see that. So I'm going to pray for that. Because, I mean, I believe every word I've written down But to see that as a complete reality in my life Now that's a journey So I want to continue to step into generosity Bit by bit If I can pull away a couple of stones From that dam holding back That resource flowing That's going to start to clean it out And as the pressure starts to build up behind that Maybe it'll knock a few more blocks off Okay I want to knock that dam down That's the image I've got on my mind So let's pray together Let's pray for each other that we would have that transformation of mind and heart. And secondly, that we would get into the habit of giving. Giving in different ways. It can be easy to make a a commitment one day, right, I'm going to set up an automatic payment. Tent's going to go out, and you can leave that, and you can forget about it, and you just adjust your lifestyle. And there isn't so much of an act of sacrifice much after that. God wanted something bigger than the law. The New Testament speaks of generous people whose lifestyle was generosity. So we, wanna, we want opportunities to practice generosity all the time. I love the story of, uh, of um, Chris Folsom walking around with a wad of $5 notes in his pocket so that when an opportunity to give to a homeless person for a meal, whenever he saw it, he could, he could kind of give generously. I love praying for opportunities. Lord, I want to be generous today. Give me an opportunity today to bless someone in some way. And that being our, our start of the day each day. Giving gets easier and more fun the more you do it. And I'm hearing and we are hearing more and more stories all the time of awesome uh, acts of generosity. One of our family members gave 30000 to support the mission in Cambodia. $30,000. That's a selling property to give to the needy story. That happened right here. Uh, friends in, in my life group gave a young family a car. It's yours. Hand it over. Here's the keys. I love that. Faithful people throughout our community commit to giving regularly here to honor God and support the work of his kingdom. And we are thankful that people are partnering with us in that. Of course, our giving starts with our most precious possession. And this is what I was thinking during worship. It is all about giving. What he has given for us and is giving still and what we're going to give back. Because giving isn't about money. Money is just one of the things. Our whole lifestyle, our whole attitude, our whole response to God is giving back and living in response to what he has done. So financial giving in the mix of that—it's just nothing. It's just one of the things. And so this morning, I just want to put this out there: the greatest thing that we can give Him, the thing He desires more than anything else, is you. He wants your heart. He wants you. He wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. That's what He wants. If you have never given him this, I want to extend to you an opportunity now to give it. Give it now. If you've never given your life to the Lord before, I promise you he'll take very good care of it. Pray with me, people. Thank you, Lord, for the time that you've spent with us here this morning. Thank you for giving us the precious gift of your Son, Jesus. And the precious gift of your spirit. Thank you Lord for an encounter with you today. And I pray that we would leave here different than the way we came in. I pray for a fresh and deeper revelation of what you have given and what you are giving. I pray Lord for a revelation of the true nature of, of possession and wealth. That we would see it for what it really is. Yours and in our hands. Lord, I pray for softening of hearts, starting with mine. I pray, Lord, for a transformation of the mind, a renewing of the mind, to see things from your perspective, the perspective of truth. I pray, Lord, that you would break down the dam that holds back resource, that keeps it away from, Lord, your purpose. And that, Lord, as that As that resource flows through me and through us, Lord, you would cleanse out those lagging attitudes of greed and of fear. I pray, Lord, that you would build this house to be the generous church, Lord, that we read about in your word. That we would have more and more of those kind of stories. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.